Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. I'm Paul Winkler. We talk about the world of money and investing here and what's going on in the world today that affects money and investing, financial planning, quality of life. And I am absolutely thrilled today to have as my guest, Dr. Art Laffer. He is, you've probably heard of him. I'm guessing a lot of my listeners are very familiar with his work. Legendary founder of Supply Side Economics. He was the economic advisor to President Ronald Reagan, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, uh, and uh, was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Donald Trump in 2019. Now, first, first off, in your office, I had to go to the restroom before we get on here. And what do I see on the wall but the Laffer curve, which I was an economics major. So, of course, we had to study the Laffer curve. And I thought it was interesting because every place that I'd ever seen it before, the way the curve looks is like this. It's a mound. And, you know, it goes up and down. And then in your book, it was the other way. Yes. Why? Now, you really want the answer? I really do. I want it to be memorable. I'm a professor. Remember that I teach all the time. Yeah. And uh, it's not politically correct anymore. But a shape like that right. for the students is very memorable because it looks like the a bosom. Yeah. <laughs> now, there was one in the bathroom there that was a cartoon done that has it as a lady on there. And the guy looks at this yeah, lady right. on the beach with her bikini on there you go. and he thinks of the Laffer curve, which is exactly the opposite of what I thought. <laughs> what I thought is I wanted him to have the Laffer curve and then think of a girl in a bikini. Because I was actually it, a little bit upset. It. I, was, I was upset at my professor at first when I saw it in your book. I thought they've been teaching me this wrong the entire not time. Not wrong. It's not wrong. It's right either it, way. It, it just depends on switching the axes. Yeah. But the reason I do these things that way is yeah. to try to be memorable. I tell jokes to my classes, all of that. Sure. To, to give a breakup and make seriousness all the time bores the heck out of students and they leave the room and don't remember anything. But if you remember a joke or this or an example, and a pedagogic device like the Laffer Curve yeah. is a very simple device that shows you something that's really obvious, but you remember it. And obviously, people remember the word, the Laffer Curve. How the heck that ever happened is well, beyond me. It's like rubrics. <laughs> it was, was your birthright. <laughs> but, but they do remember it because of the way I designed it. Right. And uh, I do that with all sorts of things in mind uh, that I did. I have all sorts of stories, examples, jokes, but all of that just to get people to transfer the information. Because it's not hard if you're paying attention. Right. If you tax people who work. Well, right. And you pay people who don't work. Right. What do you think is going to happen? Well, they're not. Duh. Yeah. The, yeah. A lot of people yeah. are not going to work. Yeah, you're not going to get These out there These are the examples I want to make come across. Economics is all about incentives. That's and why I thought it was so fascinating because it made sense to me. Yep. That, that's why I, I loved economics as a major in economics. Well, it should unless you go to Harvard or Yale or Princeton. Well, yeah, then no. it doesn't make any sense. Then it because, doesn't make any sense, well, but then, they don't want it to. Yeah, well, then you get into, as you get into your book, and, and that's one of the things I want to bring up. He's got a great book, and I'm telling you, if you are interested in this topic, Taxes Have Consequences, this is a great read. I was really enjoying it because as I was looking at it, 
I was wondering, how did you come up with the idea? And you get into a little bit of the history of you know, the wealth of nations, for example, Adam Smith, and, and you know how if you reduce taxes, you can increase output and in a little bit of that. But that was pretty audacious at that time to say, hey, if we reduce taxes, we can actually increase revenue. Yeah, tax rates and revenues, it's not obvious. No, it's no. It's not. And everyone understands it in microeconomics. You can way overtax a product mm -hmm. and have so low sales that you make no money. Right. You can way under underprice a product because you have it so cheap and everything like that, that even if you sell a lot of them, they still go bankrupt because they don't make any money per unit. You know, there's a perfect price in there for a businessman to sell his product to maximize revenues. And those revenues are profits. Mm -hmm. Let me say profits. Because, you know, the profits are the life. But, and how long you keep it at that price matters. Mm -hmm. You know, the competition matters, the size of the sure. product. All of these things matter. And uh, same thing as a macro level. But they never use it in the macro, Paul. And that's what really got uh, in the 1970s when I lectured on this stuff. Everyone understood it in microeconomics, but no one understood it in macroeconomics. It hadn't been used that way from for eons. So is is that why when we're dealing with state economics, you know, you talked a lot about that with Rex Singfeld. You had been talking a little bit about the different entities around the country, different states around the country, and different localities, and when they raise taxes, it actually slowed down economic growth in those areas. Well, again, it, just to use the example I use with my students, if you have two locations, A mm -hmm. and B, if you raise taxes in B mm -hmm. and you lower them in A, producers and manufacturers and people are going to move from yeah, B to, to A. I mean, yeah. it ain't rocket surgery. Right. Everyone <laughs> understands. You can change the location of income, mm -hmm. taxes by states, cities, whatever. You can change the volume of income, the Laffer curve and all that. Mm -hmm. You can change the composition of income. If you tax certain items more than other items, people will shift from getting capital gains or getting ordinary. They could do all those shifts. And lastly, you can change the timing of income. Right. Let, let me give you a beautiful example of that. Reagan signed a tax bill in 1981, mm -hmm. but the tax cuts were phased in. Right. The tax cuts actually began on January 1st, 1983. Mm hmm because we had a 1.25% cut in 81, mm -hmm. a 10% cut in 82, mm -hmm. and a 20% cut on January 1st, 1983. Now, if you know that they're going to defer tax, and that taxes are going to be a lot lower in the It'll future than the they future. are now, mm -hmm. what do you do? I'm going to wait and yeah, I'm going to take the income later. You postpone later. your income and accelerate your That's costs. That's right. Yeah, it's exactly. Exa which is exactly what happened in 1981-82. We had a deep recession, whatever. Purely and simply because people deferred their income to January 1st, 1983. On January 1st, 1983, not January 3rd, mm -hmm. not December 26th, <laughs> right, right, right. but January 1st, the economy goes boom right through the ceiling. That's when it takes it, off. It's amazing to me how tax cuts don't work yeah, yeah. until they take effect. Well, of course, and then they really work. <laughs> well, then and you, you made an interesting point in your book that fascinated me that the wealthy, 20%. Of their income typically went to taxes, regardless of what the tax regime was. That was fascinating. Well, it's that even they worse stayed in the than same that. place. It's even worse than that. If you go through their twenty percent of their income goes to taxes. That's true, right? But their reported income is way below what their real income is, right? Because of taxes, they're hiding it. Well, yeah, and that's what we're talking about. It, that. They're just yeah. using the tax laws legally and correctly. Uh, I did a piece on uh, Warren Buffett. And I love Warren Buffett, and what he does is perfectly legal. I admire him. Blah, 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 sure blah, he does. Yes. But in 2010, he reported income taxes of being, uh, I think it was a little less than $7 million. Mm -hmm. uh, he said he paid less in taxes as a share of his income than anyone else in his office of 22 people. Uh -huh. I think it was 17.4%. 
So I took his income at taxes uh, of $7 million, a little less than that, mm-hmm, by the way, mm-hmm. but divided by 0.174. Mm-hmm. And I came up with his taxable income of $38, $39, million, a lot uh-huh. of money. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then I took the uh, deductions there, and I got his adjusted gross income of $62 million, uh-huh. but divided by 0.7, okay? Okay. And then I looked at his real income by uh, you know, Haig-Simon definition, which is how much he spend – how much to give away, and what was his increase in wealth? That's mm-hmm. his income for that year. And if you look at that year, I assumed he spent nothing. He's a tight waddle, a he lovely, is, lovely very, man. He's the same house car, he had for yes, eats forever. Like I do. Just a <laughs> sure great thing. guy. Just a great guy. <laughs> yeah. And then he gave away, I, I figured, something like about two and a half to three billion. Uh-huh. All right. With, that's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He has mm-hmm. two sons who have foundations, a daughter with a foundation, and right. a wife with a foundation. So he has all these foundations he gives to. He may give to others as well. And then I looked at the increase in his wealth, and all of his wealth is in Berkshire Hathaway. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, you can find out what it was from Forbes at the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And his wealth increased that year by $10 billion, from 40 to $50 billion. Mm-hmm. That was his wealth increase. And then if you look at it, he actually, actually had income, Haig Simon again, mm-hmm. of about – uh, about twelve or thirteen billion, mm-hmm. and paid less than seven million in taxes. Now that comes out to an effective tax rate of point zero 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 six. Right, six one hundredths of one percent yeah. of his income in taxes. All legal, all perfectly fine, all brilliant, wonderful. Because of taxes, he's able to do all these things. Now, if we had a low-rate, broad-based flat tax with no deductions, exemptions, exclusions, omissions, or anything, Mm -hmm. and just that, at a very low rate, we'd collect a lot more money from him. He'd report all of his income fair and square. Sure. And what we do in the book is we show clearly mm-hmm. all the deductions, exemptions, exclusions that they've used in the, from the beginning of the tax, the second chapter. Mm-hmm. Fun stuff, by oh, the way. Oh, it is. It's great stuff. I and love then it. You look yes. at, and you look at all the reported income of what it would and what happens to sheltering when you raise tax rates. And people shelter the living hell out of it. When you raise tax rates mm-hmm. on the rich, the rich earn less. And they do. They, it hurts them. Less capital gains, less right. blah, 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 all dividends, all that. They do earn less. But what they do earn, they shelter like mad. And you get the economy underperforming, you get the poor damaged badly, and you get tax revenues going down. And I thought it was fascinating. You talked a little bit about how when the tax rates were so high, you know, 60%, even up to the 90% range, how it was that the tax laws were not necessarily enforced during that period of well, time. You know, they hire great people in the IRS. The IRS is a wonderful institute, really a sub, I mean, substantive institutes like the OMB. Right. But they hire them. And once they got them really well trained, then they could work for them. Well, of the course, people. they do. They get paid. You know, we found <laughs> out so that, right. that uh, <laughs> uh, 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 secretary, uh, secretary, uh, uh, what you call it under uh, under Roosevelt, uh, for, so they paid ten times as much in the private sector to hire IRS agents to work against the IRS. There, I mean. Who was Carter's advisor? You said that uh, they said, "Hey, there's a way around this. Just earn less." Yes, uh, you know, that's, that's a cute one, isn't it? Yeah, yes. that was a, that was a yeah. that was a line that you think. No, 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 no. That, does, but that doesn't seem like was a good the amazing idea. one. Morgenthau was the one who said, "All they do is we keep hiring and training IRS agents to have them then go to work for the private sector." That, that's exactly right. And, well, but a low rate broad based flat tax that wouldn't happen. And that's the closest you came to that was under Reagan because you had those two tax rates we got to fifteen and twenty eight. We went from eleven tax brackets to two. Right. Twenty eight and fifteen. That's it. We were so close to the ideal. I did Jerry Brown's flat tax when he was governor of California mm-hmm. running for president. And we put in my exact plan there. And he went from eighth in the race to second in the race. He would have beaten that blue-eyed son of a gun from Hope Arkansas, Billy Clinton. <laughs> Remember him sucking his lower lip? 
Yes. He, we would have beaten him if he hadn't uh, announced Jesse Jackson as his running mate. Jerry Brown was the best presidential candidate I've ever seen in my life. Now, now, a question for you. And when it comes to companies actually avoiding taxes and things that they can do, I remember Buffett had this whole thing about it. you've got company A, company B, company A lends company B money, company B lends company A money. And they don't, when they repatriate, they don't have to repatriate, repatriate the money and bring it back to the United States and pay taxes. So that's one of the way they avoid things. Now, you also talk in a little bit in the book about companies setting up shop overseas. Are there a lot of places that they can set up shop still and be able to avoid taxes? And are other countries so similar to our tax rates that there are not a a lot of places to hide anymore? Let let me put it this way, that prior to the Trump tax cut, which was spectacular, you know, he dropped the highest rate from 35% to 21%, 21. Mm -hmm. you know, did all this other stuff, lowered the income tax, got tax exempt passed through corporations and, you know, got rid of the uh, uh, ACA uh, band-aid and mm-hmm. all of these other wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened in there, the, di- oh, they, the one, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, whatchamacallit, the deduction, salt deduction was great. Mm-hmm. All that. Before that, companies had uh, divisions abroad that withheld the taxes over there. Right. Trump also gave a very preferential tax rate to repatriating funds, which they yes. repatriated huge amounts of funds. They did it just before the end of 2017. So there was a huge surge of income in the last couple of weeks of 2017 from repatriated funds. It was this that really pushed us way over the top. And we increased revenues from the Trump tax cut by a huge amount. But he pulled back all the... I don't know what the recent numbers are on foreign-held profits, non-repatriated funds. But Trump really brought them all back. Well, one of the things you, you talked about in there... And, and I'm just kind of curious a little bit about this is we talk and, and well, that actually another thing that I want to bring up. Sure. And I, I know you're going to have an opinion on this because you had said something we had been talking at one point in time. You talked about how frustrating it was for you talking to politicians and saying, hey, here's what we ought to be doing. But you're not doing this. Why are you not doing this? And one of the things that I thought was you look at the media. And you have so many politicians so scared of what the media is going to report on them that they're not willing to say anything about tax cuts or anything like that. And I look back at deregulation of the media. When it used to be you'd have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different media outlets, and then all of a sudden they got bought out, and they're just I noticed, few. Yeah, I remember you saying this in the email to me. Yes. Let, let me, if I can, I, I don't think you're right on that. No, I don't. I, no, I, no, but I, I don't, reserve the right well, to be let, wrong on no, that. No, uh, me too. It, I, I'm wrong a lot. Yeah, but I'd you be know, curious. you know the people who aren't wrong, the people who do nothing. Well, it's true, true. They're the only ones who are never wrong. Well, I, I had nothing. I couldn't do anything about this, but I, I was so curious about your opinion on it. Well, yeah. let me get. Politicians do not bear the consequences of their own actions. So you think it's just on the politicians? Well, it has nothing don't. to do with being you that know, fearful of the media. It's loads of fun That's spending other people's money. Oh, well, let's buy this, let's buy that, let's buy the other. But they don't spend. So when you look at them and ask them to do good policy, uh-huh. what's in it for them? Nothing. nothing. Yeah, probably I mean, not. You remember Jimmy Stewart and yeah, you got to uh, bring and, home and, goods, uh, right? In uh, Jimmy, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Smith goes to Washington. Mr. Smith goes to yeah, Washington. Yeah, yeah. Goes in there with the with the soul of human kindness in yeah, his heart uh-huh. wants to be he brings down the inflation rate he brings down interest rates he brings up the stock market uh-huh. he brings down the unemployment rate he, the enemies of america are thrown offshore and every he does all these wonderful things to have orphanages are emptied as the people got adopted and the trees blossomed they bore fruit the animals multiplied it was wonderful yeah. what happened to jimmy stewart's salary 
Nothing. <laughs> now imagine his evil twin comes in. Right, right. The evil twin does everything wrong. Yeah. Inflation goes up. Unemployment goes up. The uh-huh. interest rates go up. The enemies of America are coming forward. The, all the children die. The trees are barren. Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, all. What happens to that guy's salary? Nothing. The problem is these guys don't have a stake uh-huh. in the policies they make. Now, you and I okay. and everyone else on earth who has a brain – yeah. Knows that if you are in a position of immense political power, uh-huh. you're going to get rich. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. You're going to get rich. No question. No. Now, the question is, how are you going to get rich? My view has always been, I don't mind politicians getting rich at all. I do not, as long as I do, too. It reminds me so much of Animal Farm. Well, it is you like know, Animal Farm, you know, and they George will Arwell. do it. Yeah. And they will do all the stuff, and there'll be crooks and all that stuff because that's the way they get rich. Yeah. And, if you know, no one, no politicians has ever died poor. So how do we align their incentives with ours? Now, my view is uh, we should put politicians on commission. Put them on commission. Let me give you an example. That's fascinating. If the economy grows – I'm just hypothetical yeah. example. If the economy grows at 3%, you get your pay fair and square. Boom. If it grows at 4%, double your pay. Nice. 5% triple your pay. However, 2%, eh, no yeah. pay this year. 1%, you owe us the money that you would have normally gotten paid. Right. All of a sudden, you have, they have a stake in the game. They could become very rich by creating great prosperity, by creating goodness. I mean, you can do it as unexercised stock options or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Take the S&P 500 the day it you take off. It works in the private sector. The S&P sure. you take, and you get the difference. Yes. I mean, there are just lots of ways of doing this. And the question is, I want to make it so that they get rich by making us rich, which is the right way to do it. That's fast. Rather That's than doing it the speaking. way they now do it, they get rich by stealing and corrupting an or passing speaking. laws that allow them to exempt themselves or their sons or daughters or husbands or wives. I mean, no mention of names. Yeah. You don't need to mention names. I would do it. They would do it. Everyone else does it. That's why I made a vow after I worked in the Nixon White House with, mm-hmm. as George Schultz's right-hand person, if you'll remember, 70 to 72, mm-hmm. when he was head of the OMB and then with him as Secretary of the Treasury as well. And, uh, you know, when I made a vow never to take another penny from a politician, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't take a government paycheck because once you take a paycheck, you're an employee. Yeah, you're done. And then you're you are obligated to serve your boss. Hey, folks, I want to tell you something I'm really excited about. My new book, Confident Financial Planning, is finally out. It's in paperback, hardcover, Kindle version, and I actually have an audiobook version of it. Uh, it talks about building your financial castle. I use that throughout the book, talking about your investments, your financial plan is kind of like a castle. You have your savings and your emergency funds. I talk about that debt, good debt, bad debt. I talk about special goal funds and how to set those things up and how to invest for those types of special things that you might want to do in the future. Types of retirement accounts, different types of taxation of investment accounts. Talk about real estate investing and pros and cons of that, how to project retirement assets, and your moat. You know, that's how you protect your castle. It's the risk management aspect of a financial plan. You want to find out more about that? You go to paulwinkler.com forward slash book to get it. And I hope you enjoy. All right, we're back here. This is the Investor Coaching Show, and I'm Paul Winkler. Along today... With Dr. Art Laffer, legendary founder of Supply Side Economics, economic advisor to President Ronald Reagan, and Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. Speaking of which, one of the things that we do in economics all the time 
is we look out a sample for things. You know, get out of just the United States. If these things may work in the United States, but there's something special with the United States. I mean, we got different, you know, different type of workforce, different type of education system. But do taxes actually the same effect that they have over in those other countries? And and what did you uh, find when you looked over other countries? It is amazing that they do. Let me do Thatcher. I mean, when Thatcher came in, and I'm going to exaggerate a little bit here, <laughs> but the highest marginal income tax rate was 98%. That's insane. You know, people would borrow suits instead of buying them, <laughs> would lease the suits because they could deduct the lease. And it was just amazing, all that stuff. So, you know, she, at first thing, what she did was she substituted, uh, she substituted, uh, Product taxes for income taxes, uh -huh. all right? What they call external and internal taxation, and and she did that. It had no effect. It was it was not a good bill in 1980, uh, and she was in trouble. Uh, then along came the Falcons, which saved her. But then she did the great one. She taught the highest marginal income tax rate in Britain from, I say, 98% down to 40%. So the last one was from 60 to wow. 40. Boom, you had this huge boom. I mean, Britain experienced like nothing before it was just amazing then of course she left office uh yeah. she called him prime minister gray that was major right uh, she called him prime minister gray not prime minister major but what what do we, he was she, what, what she, is he was it bland with? what was that he was bland oh she okay used gray i got you bland. i got you i got you they called them wets over in england or whatever all right. else all right and then of course same came tony blair and gordon brown uh -huh. gordon blair brown raised the highest marginal tax rate from 40p to 50p. The economy went to hell in a handbasket. They went out and, and then you came, Cameron came in right. and they did a big section there uh, in the Exchequer, which is our treasury, right. about the Laffer curve, the Laffer effect in Britain. Right. And it's, I mean, revenues went way down. When they get from 40p to 50p, revenues went down. The economy went to the hell in a basket. Boom. And then Cameron, the wet that he was too, yeah. he only, well, then let's just drop it from 50 to 45p. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm a scary, you know. That's, yeah, big still, deal. Well, they should have made it much lower than that. Right, right, right. Chile, the same thing. When we went in there, it was uh, 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 we went in there with Pinochet, uh, uh, and he was after um, you had uh, oh God, what was his name? Uh, uh, Allende, Allende was okay. the one, and then okay. Pinochet put in a fixed exchange rate, lowered taxes, privatized. We sold something like 5,000, 10,000 companies that had been nationalized in there. And you can see Chile is the best performing economy for 30 plus years in South America. Uh -huh. Again, outside of the U.S., it even works better. It's different. Why, why did they not remember that? I, I look back at, at what over, over there. Why they do. do they not they they, just they remember, but they just don't care because died. it doesn't? There's no reason to do it. Well, the the reason is that all the people who experienced it died. And that's what happens oh, in a thousand that, years. It, and that's it. It's they, purely and simply, and their kids don't remember because they weren't in it. They weren't. They didn't yeah. experience and, it. And Eduardo Fry, who was the uh, uh, head of Chile, president of Chile, before uh, Allende, and then uh, then you got uh, Pinochet, then you got Eduardo Fry uh, Jr. Uh, who was left wingy and, you know, now and he reversed it. It's now, just it, it amazes me because in your book, you talk a little bit about the depression. And I want to get into that next, talking a little bit more about right, the depression. Let's get into the depression. Depression's a big so deal. Many lesson, and so many lessons there. Yes. And, and it, it blew my mind that you said the tax rates, state tax rates were higher than they, what they are on the federal level back in that point in time. And what in effect did that have? 1932. Yeah. That local uh, tax. Great chart. Local. That was a great chart. Local taxes yes. were more 
than federal and state taxes combined. This is property taxes. What a difference. And right. property tax were there. We're again, once again, in a big property tax environment here today, again in the U.S., just for the record. Right. But, you know, all the income taxes that were put into effect during the Great Depression, all the sales taxes that were put into effect, corporate taxes that were put into effect. I mean, we called that chapter unindicted co-conspirators. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., PWI, an investment advisor registered in the state of Tennessee. PWI does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation. This information is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any securities.